Empower Radio presents The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello, friends, and welcome back. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week, we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. Is there really a peace that surpasses understanding, accessible in routine daily life? Is enlightenment something attainable for an ordinary person with practical applications to everyday living? My guest today says, accessing the peace and power of presence needs no secret meditations or special techniques. You can experience deeper levels of connection and understanding and feel ready to live what comes next for you from the place of light. This is your true birthright, she says. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, open your heart and mind and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest, Mayette. Leilani, mystic, shaman, healer, writer, master of conscious sound. Over the course of an interesting life, Mayette has shared the stage with notables ranging from Deepak Chopra to Marianne Williamson and Mikhail Gorbachev. In the past, she's appeared on most major U.S. television shows, including Oprah, sung to the Pope, and at the Nobel Prize concert. Now, however, her focus is centered on her interest in the deeper truths of who we really are, ways to have a great human life, and the expression of the light of being in human form. As a ceremonialist, Mayette serves as witness, guide, and catalyst, creating protected, elevated space that makes profound life shift possible but for the shared purpose of facilitating healing release spiritual expansion and to advance joy mayette is the author of we are light experiencing the truth of who you really are and engaging in personal exploration of the journey into the light of being and i'm so happy to have you here mayette welcome to the show I've really looked forward to it. It's so fun to to meet you this way at last. Yeah, at last. We have a, a, a mutual dear friend that, that we share, and I'm so happy that she's made this introduction, and, and I have your book here in my hands, because it is going to be a riveting journey that we're going to take during this hour, so I, I'm sure the listeners are excited about this topic as well. And Mayette, I have a, a traditional first question here on the show. And I love to just frame our conversation into a larger meme and and a whole worldview. So can you share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you? <laughs> it means all things, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does certainly remind me, for instance, of the Indian teachings about the web of Indra. Um, which shows basically a large cosmic web in the illustrations of it. 
um, with all of these connections that represent each of us, um, every single person throughout time is connected within the web of Indra. And so that's what comes to mind. Mm. Thank you for that. I love that image of IndraSnap. So let's start with your personal story, Maya. Your book is a beautiful assimilation of your profound exploration into the truth of who you really are. And it hasn't always been a bed of roses. A lot of times when we hear spiritual teachers talking about this, we do hear of of the hardships and the trial and that, that hero or heroine's journey here. But your story begins with um, what you call the valley, and then you move through that. But I'm wondering if you could just share with our listeners, who is Mayette Leilani, and how did you get where you are today? Don't you think that the, the journey for all of us begins or can be found in the things that we knew as a child, and at those crucial points of our life, we tend to go back to what we knew then, this sort of deeper knowing that children have that's, it's not verbal um, so much as it, as it is um, an assumption, I think. And so we all have these periods, more than one generally in our lives when a lot of challenges come and the book opens with a period in my life when those challenges seemed to come from every direction. They were uh, work challenges, financial challenges, family challenges, everything that could possibly challenge one happened at once. And, and those are really big passages, passages uh, in our progress along the way, our pilgrim's progress through life. And that's what the book opens with. And so by then, I'd had a career. I'd been married. I had three grown children when this particular period happened. And I experienced tremendous loss and and grief and separation of different kinds and the need to reinvent without the energy or interest to do so. And... That often is what it's like when those really big waves of difficulty hit us. We go down. Um, and, and so I wondered, what if anything I wanted to continue on for? And I had perhaps an unusual way of thinking of that. I wondered if I had to continue on. When I say it, I, I want to say that I it wasn't that I felt suicidal, it was that I felt so tired. <laughs> uh-huh. And I couldn't really think of anything that interested me. So there was some depression there as well. And so I really, truly wondered if I had to go on. And I asked Spirit that in the valley. And Spirit answered quickly and very clearly, the answer was, of course, you can choose not to go on. It is a choice. But if you choose not to go on to, let's say, let my health deteriorate so much that it made the choice for me, 
if you choose that, then it will be this grief and loss that brings you back. <laughs> essentially, that's a no, isn't it? I mean, for for most people like ourselves, um, understanding that uh, this feeling of fatigue, which included wanting to not have to face what was ahead, really wasn't a possibility that was, you know, I could choose. And so I spent then the time in the valley going deeper and deeper for what would I stay for? Because to, I had done almost everything I could imagine, everything more than I had imagined, and had a rather wonderful life already. And I couldn't think of any project that I wanted to start or any single desire or interest. I wanted something beyond those. And so there was a moment in the valley when I was really seeking for that, that I had an unusual experience. And in that experience, I realized what it was I wanted to stay for. And it was something that I had always believed was so, or perhaps more hoped, but as a belief, hope as a belief. But over time, and because of teachings and how this develops in lifetimes, I had an undercurrent of it's not really possible. It's for other people. It's for great masters who, who are not like me. And it was to experience what we call enlightenment and to bring it into my life, not to become enlightened and be a great guru. That wasn't my dream at all. And uh, not to disappear from this planet. I realized I wanted to live it and to see what that meant. And I had a kind of either that's something that is so as I have been taught and as I have believed, or it's just a bunch of baloney, like any story or fairy tale. And if that's the case, then that's a whole different thing to think about life. I need to know. And that was what set me out on this journey to answer the questions that you that you gave in the introduction. Is it real? You know, is it and is it really possible? And is it anything practical at all for one's life? Mm-hmm. And you know, this book unfolds page by page. Um, we deepen with it. It's like, um, as a reader, I just fell in love with you and that journey. It was so endearing to just hear you share your experience and and the learnings in a way that are accessible. I have to share that with our listeners here, that they know this is an attainable new way of being. And you, you mentioned enlightenment. There's another definition that you give in the book. You have a differentiation between the word enlighten 
and enlightenment. And I'd love for you to expand on that right now since you mentioned that search for enlightenment that so many people go on. But really, it brings it down into this tangible, everyday way of experiencing this presence that we're going to talk about. When I began following this this deepest interest, this great longing that I think so many of us feel with the courage to discover that either it wasn't possible or it was. I, of course, started out in a way in pursuit of enlightenment, which is probably how we've all thought of it. And I began to realize It's not the one moment in which everything is suddenly completely different and one is above it all and so on. It's a process of inlighting, which is actually a word in the dictionary. Um, So it's not uh, enlighten or enlightenment, it's inlighting, which talks of the incoming and the the growing of the light within something. And so I began to understand it as as enlightening. And along the way, my understandings of what it is and and how you get there. You know, I was in a pursuit at the beginning. I was looking, you know, trying to find the how-to within me, right? And eventually I began to discover it's, it's, of course, not a how-to. There's not a, here's how you do it. Um, it's a commitment to this process of unfolding what's already there, not pursuing something outside of oneself. Mm. You talk about this eternal light, and thanks for, I think I said enlighten instead of enlightening and in in the book it's really intriguing to just imagine that and your journey to continue this process of enlightening um, unfolds with every page and you talk about the the eternal light that illuminates all life it's the light within Expand on this for our listeners. How do you explain the light-filled presence that we are? This is something that is becoming now much more commonly talked about, isn't it? This light within. We used to think more in terms of somehow merging with the one, And that gives the image of the one outside of yourself that you're somehow going to expand into. But it's more that it has been gifted in every single person and is in residence. And so it's not something to try or something to discover or something to know how to do or even something to hope for or hope that you come to, or that you are good enough, or that you clear enough things, patterns and things. It's it's there, regardless of how much you still have to clear, or release, or 
these kinds of things that are really quite inconsequential to it. The light is there. And wherever one is in their life, to turn the attention to what is already there. Well, um, I think it just takes all the stress out of it, mm-hmm. out of the whole trying to be spiritual. It just takes all the stress out of it because it's already there and we just can feel it, observe it, enjoy it, connect with it. And back to your first question, I would say, that's probably what all things connected means to me most personally, because it's about the connection with this source of life that is given in us as a gift at our birth. Yeah, and and just the other part that takes the pressure off and and really shifts, I think, the awareness in this book that's important is that the awareness of that light, the understanding of that light, the the honoring and accessing and connecting and all of those ways that we come into the presence, it isn't about the absence of shadow. You, you know, you talk about hopelessness, despair, trauma, tragedy, loss, betrayal. All these difficulties are part of life. Talk about how the light and shadow coexist and how we navigate through that. In the valley, there was this moment when I was given to understand that the hardships which were considerable that I would be facing when I went, when I left the valley and went back home were nothing less than my own enlightenment. And I remember what a dismaying (laughs) thought that actually was at first. I was hoping that this enlightenment that I felt such a longing for was something that didn't include that or that would suddenly change my life in a way that I didn't have to go through the grieving and I I didn't have to deal with the financial difficulties and so on. And Spirit made it very clear to me that all of that was nothing less than my own enlightenment and so it meant that whatever I met was my enlightening itself. There's something freeing in a different way about that. Something profoundly freeing, but not in the way that it saves you from trial or difficulty. It's that the real truth does set you free, but it might really annoy and trouble you. (laughs) (laughs) well the other the other piece is that often we look outside of ourselves for that divine source that it's it's something outside and there's a, a coexisting of the outside and the within at the same time that we are deeply loved and assisted both within and without can you explain that Because the 
as we know and as we you know can speak of it's all connected and we know that there is no in in a manner of speaking outside world but when it comes to the operation of our lives it's not really how it feels is it they feel separate and as the light, as one's awareness of their light grows greater and greater, and as of as one's acceptance that they are this light increases, this integration of the inner and the outer world naturally occurs. And so I wasn't trying to integrate my inner and my outer worlds. I was being integrated by my growing awareness of the light that I actually am, that is the light of presence that flows through every single person, moment, living and non-living being through this planet flows through everything it is all this light Mm. there's a quote from your book that I want to share you wrote I needed something deeper than a goal with which to seed a new life I needed a more deeply integrated understanding of what I personally felt was worth staying for When life seems too difficult to serve as its own reason for continuing, something deeper must keep one going. You mentioned this in the story of of the difficulties. And as we record this today, there's so much despair on our planet. Many are feeling this quickening of what's the deeper message and this desire for something deeper, I think, is is really a, um, it's not the medicine, but it's this perhaps door that opens to step in to get this medicine. I think this quickening is an important piece. Let's talk about that from the perspective of finding this light. How do we begin to really go deeper and access this light? We have a few minutes before break. I just want to give us a brief introduction to help our listeners understand what we're talking about, and then we'll deepen into it much more after break. If uh, the listeners aren't aware, you begin an interview off air with the interviewee by taking a few rest together and connecting to that presence and in that that very beautiful way of beginning this interview I felt such a a flooding awareness of the light that is with us always that I teared just in that moment it's so there that as we just remember to bring our attention to go, oh yeah, right, I'm, I'm light. I'm not just this 
irritating story going on right now or this exciting moment that's happening. But I am a point of presence and light experiencing this difficult moment or this exciting event. And just that is the connection. And it can be long or short. That's why I say it doesn't need meditation um, necessarily. Meditation can be one way. But it really is just that. Like you said, let's take a moment and bring our attention to that presence. It's that simple. It's just that's why all of the great masters have laughed their heads off once they got it. It's that simple. <laughs> mm. And that's part of what we do. When Right before I introduce you, I invite our listeners to take a few deep breaths and come into that. I call it the essential wholeness, but we could have called it the presence at that time or the light. I, I appreciate that it's that simple. You also have in the back of this book, I'll just share with the listeners um, before we take a break and then deepen in, is in the back of the book, you do have some questions that we on this journey can go to and really journal, take that take those first steps into the awareness of presence, but really ask ourselves some important questions. There's 12 questions in the um, afterward that I are, are particularly poignant in this journey and in this conversation. And so um, if you're curious, go pick up the book, We Are Light, Experiencing the Truth of Who We Really Are. I'm Julie Kroll, here with Mayette Lalani, and we are going to explore so much more of this presence when we return. We'll be right back. Meditation Channel. Non-stop meditation music 24 hours a day in the new Empower Radio app. Music to empower your meditation, help you relax, sleep, or provide a calm background while you work. The Empower Meditation Channel is interruption-free. Listen now with the Empower Radio app, free in the App Store, or listen online at empower.fm. Soothe your soul, calm your mind. The Empower Meditation Channel. I'm Paul George of the Indiana Pacers. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Blue is my favorite color. What's yours? What's yours? Red is my favorite color. What's yours? What's yours? 
swiller for this little feller. And me, I'm keen on green. So what's your favorite color? Tell us, please. Kids will spend 20 minutes listening to songs like what's this. What's your favorite color? Tell us, please. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite How about two minutes to brush their teeth? Brushing for two minutes now can save your child from severe tooth pain later. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. Two minutes, twice a day. They have the time. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives and the Ad Council. Women now make up 37% of the workforce, changing their role forever. Harvard Medical School has now opened its doors to new female applicants. The first woman is now in space. The majority of last year's doctorate degrees were earned by women. We've come so far, but our news is changing for the worse. More women die from heart disease and stroke than men, even though it can be prevented. Make a change at GoRedForWomen.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. If you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. And on the leading edge of personal, social, and global transformation, I invite you to be a way shower, a change agent, and make connections that inspire and accelerate our collective awakening and planetary healing. Stay connected every week with my newsletter, where you'll find meaningful content, opportunities, and inspiration. You can do that by going to juliecrawlemail.com. And again, just pull up juliecrawl.com, and you can sign up for that. I promise I never spam. I don't send out very many emails. I don't even send out, actually, weekly. Um, But sometimes it is weekly. So I'd love to stay in touch with you that way and and let you know about upcoming events and things that are happening in in my world. So please stay connected. And you can connect with Mayette. You are on, Mayette, you're on Instagram, Facebook, you have a blog, you have a website, you have so many ways. What is your preferred way that our guests get in touch with you? The weekly blog that I write, Musings, for the spiritually inclined is on my website and that's probably a good place for people to start and then there are buttons there to social media which I am certainly not active on on a daily basis. Um, I, I do generally post perhaps weekly or so but my website is probably the first place and my blog which I've been publishing weekly for about 11 years is a good place to really kind of get to know one another because I read mail and answer them. Beautiful. That link is on the show page. If you're tuning into this live, just click on empowerradio.com or thedrjulieshow.com and you can find all those links right there. And, um, Beautiful opportunities, really, to, to connect in with Mayette here. 
Okay, there were several teachings in this book that I kind of want to highlight some that I think are are important. And one of them was this shift in our understanding of the difference between the present versus present. And you talk about the spiritual teaching of the present moment. We've 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 really been through a couple decades of that, right? The power of now, present moment awareness, mindfulness, coming into the present. There's a lot of teachings that bring us into the present moment. And you mentioned that there's been a bit of a misunderstanding. Can you deepen into this idea for us? I felt for some time that by by thinking about and trying so much to live in the present as a solution or an aid or a support or an antidote to one's difficulties, when we say, I just can't get out of my head, I need to get in the present, after like everyone else, trying that <laughs> for years, <laughs> I began to realize that, that doesn't really work. <laughs> and it's because there's no such thing as the present. You know, it's it's the future, the moment before, and then it's the past. Um, and so it's not a place you can live. It's not a place you can get into and stay. It's not a place you can come from. It's not even a place that you can bring into your moment, your passing moment. And so I thought, what is the thing? And at a deeper level, since we all have liked and repeated this idea of living in the present, you know, we're talking about something. We're not just like wasting our breath entirely. So what is it that we're really talking about? What is the more profound understanding of that? And I realized it's it's about presence. And it's not to get into a moment and somehow make that moment be always. And only have awareness of that moment. That sounds a little like, I don't know, mental illness or something. It's more that in any experience, in any moment, in any past thinking or futurizing, if one remembers the presence within them and brings that to it, then that's kind of the game changer. That smooths things out. It often turns things around. It also comforts so many things that that does just by remembering there's a presence in me and in remembering it i'm bringing it into this moment when i would typically say i've got to get present got to live in the moment no i've got to remember my presence and bring my presence and so that's the thing that's exciting i think about the idea yeah and that that reminds me of your three small steps but i just want to interject here that i had covid last year 
And the phrase for presence that that really landed for me um, during that illness and recovery was abiding in the timeless. Mm. And I loved where that took me. And it, it feels like the same qualitative experience um, at the same time of just, you know, what does it feel like to abide in the timeless? And it was so, it, it really, it's, it's, it's still my mantra for 2022. And, and I love this idea of um, really bringing our awareness outside of time space altogether and not, not even thinking about mindfulness or the now or the present moment. That's really helpful. But you did mention remembering this and remembering presence reminded me of your three small steps. Can you share your three small steps of how you come into right relationship with this, with our listeners? Do you have them right there and can read them? Because I, you know, I have uh, phrased them and used them in different ways. And so I'm thinking, how did I decide to write them for the book? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I know that it's on a page coming up really fast. Here we go. Three small steps. Um, you say, first, I asked myself to remember there was a light that fills me. And that's what you just had mentioned a minute ago of just remembering that, that there is this light that fills us. Second, I recalled that the light was my divine presence, and I called on it, bringing it forth into my current moment, letting myself feel it. Bringing presence to the present always shifts things, always. So that, I love that about the presence. And then third, you pictured the iceberg. I'm going to let you tell the story about the iceberg, because remembering there's so much more to you than meets the eye that that your vision of that iceberg was a really helpful tool for you. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? It was just a one of those ahas that you know we all have in which I saw myself as as an iceberg um, and realized that all of my interests and concerns of my daily life that I think of as me was just the tip of the iceberg and that the rest of the iceberg was presence and that most of me was presence. And what that does for me is, again, it takes the doing and the trying out of it because I just am, you know, this iceberg with a little tip of it <laughs> having these dramatic experiences and, uh, concerns and fun and whatever, but most of me is this presence that is in the deeper place. And I love that that uh, phrase that you've given us, living and, you know, residing, being in the timeless, because it gives us the feeling of it, doesn't it? But yeah. uh, the, the important thing is, also to know that in a difficult experience, like when I was grieving, um, you know, when there's large loss in your life, you don't necessarily feel it in the same way. 
you bring yourself to remembering what you are. But you may still be too grief-stricken to feel it as strongly as you feel the pain, for instance. And so again, I like to kind of debunk this idea that the presence or spirit or enlightening or enlightenment sort of negate the intensities and difficulties of life and take us above everything. They, they don't really. It's that they, they connect this idea, this remembering that it takes, remembering, then I feel myself as the whole iceberg. And it might be that the tip of my iceberg is very buffeted by storms in the moment, but my awareness of how much more I am, even if I don't feel that beautiful, sweet thing. So when we're charging all over the place and have a really busy day and we're not remembering and so on, then we say to ourselves, I need to live in the present more or I should have done my meditations or I want to focus more on my spiritual life. But all it takes really is remembering I am this extraordinary presence expressing even in this busyness. And if I choose to be less busy, if that's what I feel I want to do, or if I have to solve a problem, I'm still this presence expressing. It's not, oh dear, I'm doing something wrong. We're always something right and extraordinary. We are always our presence, even when it seems like we're not thinking of it. We are it. Yeah. You know, there's there's two or three really big concepts that I want to try to weave in before we close here. And one I think that is so important is this idea of stories. And you, you talked about it briefly, but we've been so encultured into a narrative. And what you do in the book is you, you talk about letting go of these stories and coming into the presence but also this leap where you literally left behind everything. And we do hear about that spiritual journey in, in so many different sacred stories, and very few people literally leave behind everything. But we don't have to make this radical shift, this transformation, but there's a therapeutic element of getting out of our stories and how we really do get trapped inside of them. We really, uh, there's there's so much I want to say about story that, that you don't even write about, but can you just talk briefly about stories and our relationship to that stories we tell ourselves and the stories we're living and how we can literally be liberated from that? There's a video I have, uh, it's on my website, um, linked from my YouTube. I think it's called um, the three levels of being or something. Um, and it it talks about these, I think, three perspectives is probably what it says. And one perspective is what I call ground zero. And it's the hurly-burly of daily life. And that's the realm of story. 
So when we're in form and we're expressing in form, we have a great association with, purposefully, um, with story. Because that's very an implicitness about daily life. It is story. And then if we add these other perspectives, one I call, um, like if you're up in, in a commercial airline at 30,000 feet, then you look down at the story of Earth, and it's very different than if you're driving your car in the traffic. Mm. And then the other level is what I call the astronaut's um, perspective. And in the commercial airline perspective, you see and feel and associate with some story, but it's very different than driving in the traffic and when you're at the astronaut's uh, level of altitude looking upon things, then you see the whole picture, don't we? And so the movement is between these. We aren't meant, while in physical form, to only live at the astronaut's level. We're meant to have this wondrous movement and to realize we're expressing what we really are, most of us, in all those levels. And by bringing the perspective, different perspectives in, then we get uh, what we call, you know, distance or uh, detachment and so on while we're in the story. Mm-hmm. I think that is such a helpful perspective for us moving forward in another one of these tools or teachings, um, beautiful wisdom that you write about is the idea of completion and shifting to an understanding that we are complete and whole. There's a profound freedom that comes with this realization when we just shift our focus away from what is incomplete. And I, I think about how many years I've felt so incomplete, not in that I'm not whole or that, that, but I always felt like I had so much that I needed to accomplish, you know, and I'm like, when I get there and then I'm like, and it's like, we often design our lives around that incompleteness. Say more about the idea of completion and that it's already complete and whole. Well, the incompleteness is a story, isn't it? Yep. And when I, um, when I was in the valley, I, you know, I, I understood how complete I was, as as we all do, because we've um, we've lived spiritual lives on spiritual paths, and so this is something that we've we've heard and that we've accepted and understand um, in that way. But when I uh, really, really had these many moments that I share in the book of being that, of feeling that, of being brought back to that, that I actually am. Of course, I was struck by the difference between what I thought I was and what I, in those moments, understood about myself. And I realized that this that enlightenment one could actually say is the process only 
of dealing with the disparity between those views. You know, I began to notice, of course, where I didn't feel like I was that, where I didn't think I was worthy. But instead of then thinking I needed to change my worthiness, I only needed to be aware there's a disparity there between what is true. And I'm thinking I have to change that disparity. I have to erase it. I have to get rid of it. But I don't. It's just the story. And I already am complete. I love that. It's so helpful. It is so helpful. And and here's one more really powerful lesson that I think um, most people wouldn't normally think about. But there's a quote here. You wrote, while sharing one's light. So how do, how do we share the light? <laughs> when sharing, here's what you wrote. While sharing one's light is indeed helpful for our changing world, that line of thought has somewhat proselytizing tone, doesn't it? It leads to hierarchical thinking about the ones with something versus the ones lacking something. Thanks. Lacking something. That gets weird in action. Your point that I think is an important lesson for us isn't to not share your light, but how you share it more spontaneously. And I think there's something really important there because we're starting to use that love and light. We're, we're, we're sending love and light. We're sharing love. and light. There's a lot of language now, but can you explain what you're meaning by this, being more spontaneous in it and not um, having that hierarchical ickiness that I agree with you? I just wrote... Uh, a blog that'll be out in a week or two, I don't recall, that includes this understanding that I think speaks to what you're bringing up. And that is that the the man Jesus, who we um, have understood to be a great healer, didn't heal by being a healer. And having a little card that says healer and trying to heal and wondering if he could heal and hoping that he healed and the people, you know, who they came perhaps wondering and hoping, but he didn't, it wasn't that he had so much confidence that he was a healer, that he healed. He healed by just expressing the light that he was. And this is so simple, but hard to reach, that I I kind of want to say it again. It's that he saw in a different way. He saw only the light in others. So if a leper um, was there in front of him, he didn't think this is a leper who needs to be relieved of their leprosy. This is not something I have that I'm going to help him have so that he doesn't have leprosy. He didn't think, I'm going to share my light to help him get rid of his leprosy. He saw only the light. And that returned them to their own expressed awareness of it, in which the story of their illness did not exist. That is so beautiful and so 
profound. It is seeing the light in everything and feeling the light in everything that is the act of power that the world is calling us for. Mm. That's what it is. It's seeing it. It's not, you know, Trump this, Hillary that, vax, don't vax, uh, they, they, doing, doing, dark light. It's seeing only the light, which has nothing to do with pretending there's no dark. Because the dark is part of it also. And to so profoundly know the light that one looks at the person who was just horribly rude at the post office and feels and sees their light. That's the profound act. That's the practice of sharing one's, you know, sharing light. It's to see the light. Mm, in the same, and in everything. In everything. And I love how you weave the the light, that divine light that's within all life. You weave that in with this idea of presence. And when we just really come into presence, really focus our awareness on presence of that divine light, it just creates this beautiful healing field for all of us. Mm. And it is really presence, isn't it? Yeah, it is. In it. So beautiful. My aunt, I could listen to you all day long, and there are so many questions that I didn't get to ask you, but I just want to extend my great appreciation for you for coming on our show, sharing with our listeners, and writing this book. It is a beautiful gift to humanity. Thank you. And thank you for what a wonderful show you have. Thank you for for sharing this opportunity with me. I'm just so appreciative. Mm, well, thank you. And um, a big shout out to our friend Cheryl Lynn, who made this possible. <laughs> so, so grateful for our dear Cheryl Lynn. So, listeners, I want to close with Mayette's words here, just for you. You are born of nothing less than unimaginable love. You embody a radiant light, and you are intended for joy. This is what is real. This is who you are at your core, at your most real. Unimaginable love, radiant light, and unbounded joy. From this, you rise into physical form. To this, you do return. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together, we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.